Over the next few weeks, we're going to be reading through the final chapters of the Gospel of John, starting with John chapter 18. We're going to be discovering this incredible truth, how the resurrection changes everything. We're going to be looking at these final moments of Jesus' earthly ministry at some of the important events and important teachings that happen uh, through the course of that sequence of events and the meaning that they have in our life, working toward Palm Sunday, the end of this month, and then Easter Sunday, the first Sunday in April, as we find out the extraordinary meaning of Christ's resurrection for us. But before we get there, we're going to take a look back just a little ways to John chapter 18, where Jesus is betrayed. This morning we'll be focusing on the 10th and 11th verse of John, the 18th chapter. No one, no one, I've never met anyone. I don't care if they're a believer, not a believer. I don't care if they're from this country, from another country. I don't care what culture they're from, from rich, poor, it doesn't matter. Nobody likes to be betrayed. Now, it hurts when somebody treats you wrong. That, that, that's always a difficult circumstance. But when it's somebody you know, somebody that you trust, that really hurts to be betrayed. But this guy takes the cake. His betrayal is so great. We've even named betrayal after him. Just the mention of his name brings about a bad taste in our mouth. The name Judas. We know his betrayal from the account of Jesus' journey to the cross. He betrayed our Savior for a measly 30 pieces of silver. He led the soldiers of the chief priest right to the location where he knew Jesus would be. But that's not the betrayal where we're going to focus this morning. Because here in John chapter 18, there's actually a second betrayal from someone that we would not expect. In fact, this betrayal starts out seeming to be the exact opposite. He seems like he is the one disciple who is taking action to protect Jesus. But in this story, Jesus does not rebuke Judas. Not that what Judas did wasn't terrible. Not that what Judas did wasn't wrong. It certainly was. We'll see that in just a moment. But Jesus doesn't rebuke Judas, he does rebuke Peter. Peter. The strongest of the disciples. The disciple that was always right there, standing up for Christ. He even, even had promised Christ that he would stand up for him. It seems like he is fulfilling that promise with what he does. What's going on here? Well, understanding why Jesus reacts the way, both to what Judas does and to what Peter does it, it helps us not only st- understand what it was that Jesus came to do. It also teaches us an important message about what it means to be a follower of Christ. Now this morning, we're going to learn two secrets, two biblical truths of how to make good choices in life. Here's the first one, first secret. Don't do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. (laughs) We'll take the easy one first. This one's obvious. 
Nobody wants to be Judas. Even people who are not believers, even people who have never opened the Bible, they know who Judas is and they don't want to be him. Judas, as you know, was one of the twelve disciples. One of these men specifically selected by Christ, the ones who would take his message to the world. In the lists of these twelve disciples that we find in the scripture, Judas is always listed last. And he's always listed with the qualifier, Judas, the one who betrayed him. Now there's a reason for that. Part of it was this was still hard for the disciples to understand. And as those who were inspired to write down the Gospels were writing down this account, as they were writing down the men that were selected by Jesus to be his closest associates, when they come to Judas, this was a hard one for them to figure out. Because at first, Judas was the most trusted of the disciples. He was so well thought of, so trusted, they made him the treasurer. They had him take care of all the finances. Now, they'd later see there was a problem with that, but not at first. Judas is the one, according to John's Gospel back in chapter 12, who raises some concerns when Mary comes and anoints the feet of Jesus with the expensive ointment and And Judas is the one who stands up and says, well, you know, that money could have been used to feed poor people. Now, now what you don't see in in that particular account is the other disciples saying, no, Judas, you're wrong. That's not right. You see Jesus saying that. You see Jesus very clearly standing up for Mary saying, hey, she's doing something that all of you should be doing. But the other disciples, it seems to be implied, they agreed with Judas. Why is this woman wasting all this money on this seemingly ridiculous thing of anointing Jesus' feet? What's that all about? Now, later on, the disciples would realize that Judas wasn't sincere. He just wanted some of the money for himself. But that didn't come till later. It is, however, soon after this incident with the anointing of Jesus' feet that, that Judas makes the decision. He goes to the chief priests seeking to betray Jesus. Now, theologians through the years have have come up with a lot of theories of what in the world happened that would make Judas do such a terrible thing. Some have thought that maybe it was just for the money. It wasn't much money, but Judas seemed to like the money. So maybe he just thought, I'll get a little bit more for myself. Some have argued that Judas was disappointed with Jesus. Jesus wasn't turning into the kind of Messiah that he wanted. Judas wanted a Messiah who would get rid of these filthy Romans, get them out of the country, reestablish the physical kingdom of Israel. And Jesus was taking his time about that. In fact, it didn't seem like he was ever going to get that done. And some have said that Judas's disappointment led him to betray the Lord. Some have even suggested that his betrayal was a, a twisted attempt to try to call Jesus' hand. And, and Judas was hoping that, that maybe when, when the soldiers come to arrest him, Jesus will be forced to stand up for himself. 
to exercise his authority and truly become the king of Israel that he's supposed to be. Whatever the case, Judas had given up on Jesus and decided to take matters into his own hands. And John chapter 18 describes this terrible event there in verse 3. So Judas came to the grove, guiding a detachment of soldiers and some officials from the chief priests and Pharisees. They were carrying torches, lanterns, and weapons. In the Gospel of Mark, we, we learn the terrible reality of what Judas did then. He identifies Jesus with the customary greeting of the day. You'll see it in the Middle East even now where they'll come and they will kiss one another on the cheek. And and Judas, like a dear friend, walks up to Jesus and greets him like a friend, but he's no friend. With that act, the horrible sequence of Jesus' arrest and trial and crucifixion are set into motion. Sometimes the... The bad decisions that we make in life, they're just bad decisions. (laughs) Plain and simple. And if we would just stop, if we would just take a look, if we would just think about it for a moment, we would see it for exactly what it is, a terrible decision. When Judas finally does stop, when when he sees Jesus being crucified, he realized what a terrible decision he had made. Oh, that he would have thought of that before. He took action. We can stop. When we're starting to make a decision and, 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 and we'll feel that, that prick of the Holy Spirit saying, hey, wait a minute, something's wrong here. You're taking a wrong turn here. Wait a We can stop and think about it. Just, just think about it. Is this really a good decision or not? You know, there's a lot of times you can do that. I mean, if you've got a hot pan on the stove and starting to boil over, uh, the, the inclination is just to quickly reach out there and pull it off the stove. Bad idea. <laughs> Bad idea. If you'd stop for a minute and think about it, you realize, you know, maybe my stick in my hand where that boiling water is going everywhere, that may not be the best of ideas. Putting a ladder on your picnic table to clean your gutters. Bad idea. <laughs> if you stopped and you thought about that for a minute, you'd realize, you know, That may not be the smartest thing that I would have ever done in my life. So many bad ideas, if we just stop and think about them, we'd realize it's a bad idea. Whatever motivation Judas had, whether he was jealous of the other disciples or disappointed of Jesus' ministry, if he was just being greedy, whatever it was, betraying Jesus was a terrible idea. If he just would have stopped for a moment... And asked God, God, is this really the right thing to do? I'm a little disappointed. I'm I'm a little concerned. I'm a little confused. But is this really the right way to handle this? If he just would have stopped and asked God to help him understand, he would have seen it for the bad idea that it was. But that's the way that Satan works. He clouds our judgment. He fools us into doing what is obviously the wrong thing, but in the heat of the moment, we don't see it. So one secret to avoiding bad choices in life is stop. Just think about it. First of all, think, does this even make sense? I mean, 
Judas betraying Christ for whatever reason it was, it didn't make any sense. The 30 pieces of silver, they were worth about 200 bucks in our money. That's all. 200 bucks. What's he going to do with that? If, if it was that he was trying to get Jesus to, to act in another way, how about just going and talking to Jesus and saying, Hey, Jesus, I don't understand some things. Can we just have a conversation about this? No matter what way you look at it, if Judas had just stopped and thought about what he was doing, he would have seen how terrible an idea what he was about to do really was. And especially if he'd stopped and prayed. And just said, God, I don't understand this. Let's go to your word, God. Let's take a look at the scripture. Does this make any scriptural sense? He would have seen immediately. Didn't know. It didn't make any scriptural sense. In fact, the prophets had foretold exactly what he was about to do. In fact, Jesus had foretold exactly what he was about to do. It would have made no sense. And if we'll do the same, we'll just stop. If we'll look to the scripture, if we'll pray, asking God to lead us, we'll see those bad decisions for what they really are. But as I mentioned a moment ago, John chapter 18 doesn't just mention one betrayal, it mentions two. The second is less well known, but the second is the one that Jesus actually called out, called attention to. And it leads to the second secret. One secret is don't do the wrong thing for the wrong reasons. The second secret is don't do the wrong thing for what appears to be the right reasons. Judas' betrayal of Jesus is obvious. Nobody wants to be like Judas. But everybody wants to be like Peter. I mean, Peter's the good guy. And it's not immediately apparent that what he's doing was a bad idea. In fact, you could make a pretty good argument that Peter's the one disciple that actually does the right thing. That he's keeping the promise that he would be by Jesus' side, that he would always stand up for him, no matter what. But let's take another look at what happened. Judas brings the soldiers to Jesus, identifies who he was. They're about to arrest him. And the sad thing was, Judas's betrayal of Jesus, it wasn't even necessary. Jesus wasn't hiding. He was where he had always gone to pray. He had been to the Garden of Gethsemane many times to, to pray before. This was no unusual circumstance. And Jesus identifies himself. You look on down to verse 7 and 8. He says, yeah, I'm the guy. Jesus knew what was about to happen. It was the reason he'd come to Jerusalem. He knew that he was going to be arrested. He knew that he was going to be tried. He knew he was going to the cross. Peter didn't see it that way. Yet. So he had come prepared. He didn't want to let Jesus go to the cross. He was going to protect the Lord at every cost. And so he brought along his sword. Well, it's not really a sword. The word that the scripture uses here, it's really more like a steak knife. The word that's used here describes what would be a slightly longer knife than normal or a really, really short sword. It was a weapon that was designed to hide under your robe. It was kind of a personal defense weapon, if you will. So when the soldiers came, Peter jumps into action. He pulls out his steak knife and he protects the Savior by cutting off a servant's ear. 
Here's what the Bible says, verse 10. Then Simon Peter, who had a sword, drew it and struck the high priest servant, cutting off his right ear. The servant's name was Malchus. Now, there are several things wrong with this situation when you think about it. First of all, why is Peter going after the servant? Why not one of the soldiers or or one of the chief priest guys? Why this one guy that was probably there because he had to be? This poor little guy, Malchus, he didn't want to be there. He just was there because he'd been ordered to be there. Why did he go after him? And then, why did he cut off his ear? (laughs) What's that going to accomplish? Well, the Bible doesn't say specifically because it's pretty obvious. Sword fighting was not Peter's specialty. He caught fish in a net. Hand-to-hand combat was not something he had been trained to do. And it shows. In all likelihood, he wasn't aiming at this servant. He wasn't aiming at the servant's ear. It's just the ear is what got in the way of his steak knife. But Jesus immediately puts a stop to all of this. Verse 11 Jesus commanded Peter, put your sword away. Shall I not drink the cup the Father has given me? And then in the account found in Matthew and in Luke, we find something just really beautiful that happens. In the midst of all that chaos, in the midst of all that hate, in the midst of all that was going on in this horrible event, Jesus reaches out and heals The ear of the servant. I'm so glad the Bible names this guy. Malchus. Poor guy. He he was just there because he had to be. He wasn't there to arrest Jesus. He was just there because whoever owned him made him come. And then, in this horrible moment where where this this man, Jesus, is is about to be arrested. He's going to be killed. And Malchus knows that. Malchus knows what's going on. This man that is about to go to his death reaches out and heals his ear. Jesus knew that his kingdom was not going to be won with the sword, but rather through the cross. It took a while for Peter to understand that. Sometimes we can have all the right reasons, but still do the wrong thing. How do we guard against that? When, when we have thought it through and, and, and we've heard these, these arguments, maybe we saw something on social media that's, that's got our blood boiling, or, or maybe we heard something on the news that just really got us stirred up, or, or maybe we've heard somebody tell us that they heard this other person say that this happened about this person, that they said that about this person, and, and wow, we are just really upset. So we thought about it, and I'm just mad. I'm going to do something. And then we wind up doing the exact wrong thing. How do we stop that? Well, interestingly enough, the same way. Stop. And think about it. And and in this case, you've already thought about it some, because you've kind of come to this conclusion that you've got to take this action that you're planning to take. But but stop and rethink that and and make sure that that really makes sense. Make sure that whatever action you're about to take is is really a a, a positive move. It's really going to change anything or it's really going to do something that's right. But then, remember, that wasn't where we stopped a minute ago when you're thinking about the wrong reasons to do the wrong thing. When you've got the right reasons... 
Don't just stop, but also pray. Say, God, this really makes me angry. God, I'm upset about this. Lord, what should I do? Because, God, I don't want to just do something that helps me vent my spleen. God, I want to do something that you really want. And then take that action that you're considering doing and go to the Bible and see if it, see if it matches. See if it, if it connects with what the Bible says. If Peter would have done that, if Peter would have taken some time just to stop, maybe take a look at some of the prophets that talk about the suffering servant coming. And even if you just listen to what Jesus said, as Jesus used those very same words of the prophet and explained, I'm going to the cross because that's the only way to pay for the sins of those who will receive me. If, if Peter just would have stopped and just would have prayed, God, help me understand this. Or if he just would have gone to Jesus and said, Jesus, I, I, I'm, I don't understand all of this. And, and I really think this steak knife is going to help. What do you think? <laughs> I think Jesus would have said, no, Peter, leave your steak knife on the table. Because what I'm about to do can't be done any other way. We can do the same thing. As there, there are some right reasons. There are some things that we should be concerned about. There are some things that we should be upset about. There are some things that, that, that we should be ready to take action about. But before we take that step, we need to stop, think about it, pray, asking God to lead us to exactly what He wants. Not what we want, but what He wants. And then look to His Word and say, God, lead me through the Bible. Help me see this clearly. Help me to know if what I'm about to do is really what you want me to do. Peter, when he saw the risen Christ, he finally got it. For Peter, the resurrection changes everything. He goes from a guy waving his steak knife around to a guy boldly proclaiming the gospel of Jesus Christ, no matter what the cost. He, he, when, he meets, when he sees the resurrected Lord, it changes everything for him. It will for you too. Take a look at Jesus. The resurrected Christ changes everything. Heavenly Father, help us. We live in a confusing world. And there are sometimes that, that we just make bad decisions that are just bad decisions. They're for the wrong reasons and we end up doing the wrong thing. And Lord, just help us to stop. To realize the error of what we are thinking and just to recognize from your word and through the guidance of your Holy Spirit, we need to change our direction. And Lord, sometimes we have the right reason. Sometimes we are rightfully upset by the things in our world. We're, we're rightfully concerned, but it still leads us to the wrong choice because we don't stop and ask you, okay, Lord, what would you have me do about this? We don't stop to read your word to make sure that what we're considering actually is what you want. So God, help us to do that. Help us to make good choices in life by allowing your Holy Spirit to lead us. For it's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. In just a moment, we're going to have a time of invitation. It's an opportunity for you to respond to what God's doing in your life this morning. Maybe you're here and you came searching
Because you realize, you look back at your life and all you see is bad decisions. Over and over and over again, you've made the wrong choices and you're tired of that. And you came this morning thinking, there's got to be something better than this. There's got to be something that I can do that will end this cycle of bad choices in my life. And you, you came this morning, you're watching online this morning because you were hoping that maybe God had something to help you. Well, guess what? He does. The resurrected Christ changes everything. And we want to share that with you. You may be saying, well, that's a really easy statement for some preacher to make. But I, is that really true? It is. And we want to show you in the Bible where it says that it is. And normally what we do, we invite you to come up here to the front. We'd sit down with you and show you right from the Scripture. How the resurrected Savior can change your life. How He forgives your sin. How He cleanses you. Just like we saw portrayed through the waters of baptism this morning. How He makes you right with God. He's the only one who can. Because He is God. We'll show you where the Bible says that. Ordinarily, we'd sit down and do that with you. We can't do that because of the virus right now. But we do have a way for you to find that very same information. There's a card. If you're here with us physically this morning, right there in the pews before you, a little white card says connection card on the top of it. You just take that card, give us some contact information, and then just say, hey, I've got some questions about Jesus, or I want to follow Jesus, or I want to know more about Jesus. Just write that on the card. There's a little box you can check on the card. Just check that box. And then as you leave, place it in one of these baskets that are at the doors. Just, just drop it in there. We'll be in contact with you to share with you more about how you can know Jesus. Maybe there's some other way that God's leading you this morning. Maybe you're looking for a church home, a place where you can unite with other believers. And we'd be thrilled for you to be a part of what God's doing at National Heights. Uh, we'd love to share with you how you can be a part of what the Lord's doing here at this church. Again, you can indicate that on that card. Just say, I want to know more about being a member at National Heights. If you're watching online, we have that very same form in a digital format. It's, it's located at, at our website, nationalheights.org backslash hello. You go to that link, and that link is there on Facebook for you. If you're watching us there, if you're watching us from our website, it's right there on the web page where you're watching. Just go to that link. You'll find that very same form where you can give us some contact information, and we will be in touch with you about how you can know Jesus, how you can be a part of this church, or how you can make some of the other decisions that you might have in your life. Maybe you've got a prayer need, something that you'd just really like some other believers to pray with you about. On the, the reverse side of the, the connection card that is here or at the very bottom of the digital form of that card, there's a place where you can indicate a prayer request. And, and we would be honored to be praying with you in the days ahead. Whatever it is, however God is, is speaking to your heart this morning, we invite you to just stop and listen and pray, God, I want to do what you want me to do. Not what I want to do, not what somebody else wants me to do. I want to do what you want me to do. Follow God's leadership in your life today as we sing together.